Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 6, Episode 5, Chapter 100, The Jughead Paradox. Unnerved by the mysterious and bloody events occurring around him, Jughead sets out on a quest to discover the wicked truth about Rivervale. I can't believe I'm mad at this show because of a good episode. They did an amazing job with this story. It was, it tied a lot of the other bullshit that we've been watching together. Uh, it gave us a really fun mystery to this like five episode event. It was a great way to actually celebrate the 100th episode, both by like bringing back all these actors and these characters in a very cheeky way, while also honoring the fact that we've lost Luke Perry in a way that is makes total sense for our characters in world. Like the quality of this episode is really staggering because of all the bullshit we've been watching. <laughs> because like I I just I really feel like this episode is a perfect example of you needed to break all of these stories, have them all fully fleshed out before you shot a single frame. And I don't think that's what's happening. Um because this is the quality we should have. We should be close to like, I know not every episode is going to be a winner. I know. And that's on any show. But this is what y'all are capable of. And this is what we should be getting. And we don't consistently by a lot. So, so mad after the dreck that we went through for they told us you get four weeks and then you have to come back and watch five new episodes. And it turned out that it was all just to lead up to what was an awesome but ultimately inconsequential fan service episode. Well, we don't we don't know that it's officially inconsequential because we don't know what's going to happen. There is one specific tie-in. And again, if they are smart and they did pull these threads together, mm-hmm. then a lot of what we saw in these past four episodes gets echoed sure. throughout the rest of this season. And again, if that's the case, that's fine. Although that does point to, as you say, you then needed to have those stories much more rounded out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be things that you could have spent far less time on this to get the point across to echo it later. Sure. And it's not that the stories as a whole have to completely change, but how you present them and the order needs to be more streamlined and it needs to be tightened up so that the payoff is better. Giving us a bunch of crap so we think this episode is good doesn't make this episode look better. It actually just makes the rest of your stuff look worse because I know (laughs) what you're capable of. That's really what it comes down to. So that's, I mean, that's very stereotypical thing that we've been mad at Riverdale for, for really all of season five. Season four was consistently decent. Uh, Season five was a mess. It was a fucking mess. It was rough. And that's not even fully their fault. I say it's not really their fault. I mean, they're responsible for it, but I know we also we have to look at the outside world. Yeah, it's it's not fully their fault in the sense of there was going to be some disjointedness no matter what. Sure. Other shows did even worse than they did. So let's oh, sure. Let's give them at least that bit of credit. But the bigger problem was that again, we know you're capable. You're capable of this. And you didn't take the time to plot it out. You were lazy about it. And yeah. just like this, it felt like you were lazy with it. And we we don't have a showrunner who has got a consistent hand across the board. And I know I don't want to shit on Arias too much. He's been going through a lot of family stuff. That's awful. 
But at the same time, this is a consistent problem with him. It's not only this year. It's not only this, this snippet. So it's just, it's a, it's a consistent issue with this show. RAS has such a high level view over a bunch of properties. Like at this point, he should not be show running any of this. He should be the CEO overlooking everything and have somebody specific dedicated to River. No, no. RAS is just like Ryan Murphy. Great ideas. Good concepts. You help get it set up and then you have to walk away because you don't know how to run a show. I say the exact same thing about Ryan Murphy. Brilliant ideas. Brilliant concepts. You should be a producer. You should have no say in anything else that happens on the show. You cannot show run. Be an executive producer. You'd be so good at it because you clearly have the talent to, to understand and to do that first season of show running. To get it propped up, get it set up and send it on its way. Consistent long term storytelling you cannot do. Weird, interesting question. Do you think for both of them it's an issue of they are worried about delegating and they don't feel like they can? I'm sure it's a portion of it, but I believe both of them suffer from being too influenced by social media mm. and people's opinions. I think both of them cannot separate. Okay, I don't care if everybody hates this couple. This is the couple that we love and we're going to tell this story and that's how we're going to go. Um, I, be I believe just having watched a lot of Ryan Murphy properties and seeing where do they turn? Where do they get bad? Where does it become an issue? The first season of Ryan Murphy shows are phenomenal. Even if they're things I don't like, just personally, I can go, wow, this is great. This is a vision. I understand what's happening. Um, yeah. And then they all inevitably become, you know, the huge big deals. And then it just starts to become a mess. <laughs> and that has al also seems to be happening with RAS's shows. I think Sabrina didn't have that in part because it was a Netflix property because an entire they built they did the entire season without any feedback because it would all just drop on Netflix in one day and so they would get feedback after the fact which i think is fine because if you're constantly getting feedback halfway through your thing then you're going to start trying to course correct and i think that's the biggest problem but on the flip side sabrina already went off the rails from the very beginning so <laughs> it did but it was more there were specific storylines that i thought were not great and that's what i had a bigger problem with and it wasn't the show as a whole so yeah <sighs> this, this is trash tv but trash tv does not have to be low quality and Correct. god damn it you you proved to us you can do, you can do fun this. garbage make fun garbage you can make it camp and still have it be good my god um yeah so that's just a continuation of our frustration with the show as a whole but we're very happy about this episode there are many fun things to talk about so let's get into it we start with not presenter jug but just our narration we don't see jughead at all He's talking about an imaginary story, but it starts with a corpse on the lonely road. And we see this corpse that's right in front of the Riverdale sign or the Rivervale sign, if you will. And it's holding something in their hand, but we can't see who the corpse is. And then we cut to Archie and he's sitting up in bed and he's drinking some water. And he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I woke you, Betty. And she's like, no, I was having a nightmare. 
And he's like, what was it about? The whole town was sacrificing you. And then we hear some thunder rumbling. <laughs> and then we cut over to the Tang's apartment. And Tony's like, oh, I'm sorry. I woke you, Fangs. And the Fangs says, no, I, I was just having this crazy ass dream. You were drowning and you came back as a ghost. To which Tony instantly looks at Fangs and goes, was I trying to hurt baby Anthony? Also, Fangs mustache and beard, gone. It's gone. Hey, now. Which we know why. but Well, of course, but it's, still. It's interesting. Then we cut to the Pembroke and Ronnie. I was just having the strangest dream, Reggie, and he is already awake, looking very pensive at the edge of the bed. Did I get dragged to hell in it? <laughs> and then we cut to Nana Rose walking into Cheryl's room. She's like, what are you doing in here? Oh, I had the most frightful dream child. Same. Um, You and I swap bodies for some reason. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we've established now that these were dreams. Cool. I'm fine with all of that. Or were they? Or were they? And so then we cut to Jughead. He's sitting in Archie's room. He hears the ticking. He finds the bomb under the bed. And then there's the explosion. But when he wakes up from what is clearly a nightmare, he's in Archie's garage. And he gets up. He's confused. He looks at his feet. And they're gross. So... Then he goes home. He goes to the Jabatha apartment and she's like, oh, are you, were you up late? How did you sleep? And he goes, horrible. I don't, I don't think I did. It's like, were you up late riding? And Jug is like, no, I woke up in Archie's garage. I think I was sleepwalking. And Tabitha is not overly concerned about this. No. Which I found strange. <laughs> I, of course, but you understand why relatively quickly. <laughs> sure. So she says, oh, you must be nervous. And Jughead's like, yeah, wait, what am I supposed to be nervous about? It's your first day back at teaching and it's got to be nerve wracking. But don't worry, it'll be great. You'll be great. So Jughead's just kind of like, whatever. Archie's not on the milk carton anymore. Nope. We see we kind of see the close up of the milk carton and it doesn't have Archie on it, which is great because he was seemingly risen from the dead. Have you seen this missing boy? <laughs> yeah. But then we get Don't You Forget About Me playing as Jughead enters Riverdale. And this is amazing. This whole sequence is so well done. He sees Kevin and Betty and Veronica, and they look exactly like they did in season one. They're joking as they walk down the hall. He passes a doorway and he sees Archie in the music room with who we assume is a stand-in for Miss Grundy. And Archie winks at Jughead like, yeah. <laughs> and then he continues to pass down the hallway and Reggie checks him with his body basically and then he sees cheryl in her cheerleading uniform just doing the ugh look and then he turns and we see tony who looks very a la Southside high tony walking by with her pink hair and then he stops in his tracks when he watches jughead with his iconic beanie getting a drink from the water fountain so he goes to the bathroom because he's like, I'm freaking out. I mean, he just saw himself. He saw himself. Like everything's not, he's like, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Clearly he goes to the bathroom. He slashes water on his face and someone comes out of a stall and he looks at it and he's just like, wait, what? You're, be you're Ben Button to which it is Ben Button. Uh-huh. He's grown up a little bit since we last saw him, but I love it. And he's like, of course I am. Who else would I be? But Ben, you died. You jumped out of a window to sacrifice yourself to the Gargoyle King. To which Ben's like, no, you're thinking about that dude from Stonewall. And we see the flashback of that too. Mr. Tripping, yeah. No, no, no. You did it first. Maybe you hallucinated it. 
Yeah, maybe I'm hallucinating all of this. To which Ben says, FYI, daytime hallucinations are a symptom of paranoid schizophrenia. But listen, have an awesome day. And he walks out. (laughs) Now, we all had seen the pictures of Ethel and Dilton coming back. I had not looked into anything more because I kind of wanted to be like, okay, I know they're going to try to do something special. I want to be surprised. I want to be able to enjoy it. So as soon as I saw Ben, I was like, oh, fuck, they're bringing everybody back. Everyone. So I knew when we get to the to a later scene, <laughs> I knew who was coming back. I was so happy when it happened. That's so funny. I was so happy to see that happening because Ben showed up in a bunch of random episodes. And then he also showed up in Greendale on Sabrina. So it's just a, it's so fun to be like, oh, OK. we're going there yeah so then we go to the doghouse proper hey Hey. and jughead is just like out of it and everyone's like are you okay you look like you're about to pass out he's like so what's going on and they're just like oh i'm just updating everybody on the wedding plans and jughead's like wait wedding who's getting married to which everybody's like And Archie reminds him, me and Betty are getting married. You're the best man. And everyone's just kind of like, okay, dude. Hey, what's going on, Jug? (laughs) Then Betty gets a phone call. Impeccable timing as always. And it's Dr. Curdle. And apparently he has some distressing news. He received a corpse. It's Jughead Jones's corpse. And Betty's just like, is this more of your gallows humor? Because I'm looking at Jughead. He's very much alive. Dr. Curdle's like, that's not possible. Okay, if you're still upset about not being invited to my wedding, get over yourself. Goodbye and stop harassing me. (laughs) Which is great. I love this. Jughead comes up to Betty. He's like, are you okay? He's like, oh yeah, Dr. Curdle's attempt at humor. He claims your body is on his lap, which is obviously impossible because I'm talking to you. Cut to Jughead goes to see Dr. Curdle. Dr. Curdle's like, oh, it can't be. And yet it is. And Jughead's like, may i okay fine so they open the body bag and jughead's in there and oh it's a paradox it must be and the lights start flickering and so that like the water jug glass cracks and so they're just like wait this isn't okay and he finds out that the body was strangled and he was found on the lonely highway at town limits by the sign so jughead asks for his personal effects he takes them and he goes to the sign. And what we can see is on one side, it says Rivervale and it's got a mask on the little icon. It says, there's no place like home. And on the other side, it's the reverse of the Riverdale sign that says, you know, the town with pops. Mm-hmm. So they are quite literally mirror images, mirror images of each other, which is great. Love it. Looks really cool. I wasn't expecting that like that detail especially that it's reversed so he goes home and he's looking through the effects of the other jughead and he finds this rivervale comic book and it's the one where archie and betty are getting married and so then he goes through his stuff and he finds a set of comic books he wasn't previously aware of and it's all riverdale and he just set about to begin reading from the beginning Ah! yeah this this opening has so much going on but it works so well it's like oh this is what we're doing great all the fucking comic books uh 
everything about it is just so like, oh shit, okay, y'all really did that. Y'all really fucking did that, didn't you? But it's great. It makes total sense. I love it. The second he pulled out the comic books, my I, I literally watched it going like, oh my god, what? You did that? I was so surprised because I we spent four episodes wondering what in the fuck they were doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then for them to pull this and you just go, God, you should have threaded this the whole time. We should have threaded this a little bit more with more comic book references, like more random comics being left out. You didn't have to like set it, but by the time we got to this episode, we should have been so excited for them to like, it should have been a better puzzle for us as the audience to be solving. It's that, and we talked about it very early on. They were already trending into these sort of weird campy vibes and everybody seems very unconcerned with what's going on around Mm -hmm. them. And I'm like, this is a directing failure, I think, more than anything with the Mm -hmm. actors of being like, you guys need to heighten this performance so much. I think it's more that nothing is threaded together well. It's a little of both. Well, Yes, there there are moments where we know it's bad direction. But aside from that, I think it's a lack of the stories being written together. And then someone on set being like, oh, if we just put this one prop here in frame, it'll we need it. We need to do that. That'll just that'll connect this dot to that dot. It's great. We need it for the for the signaling to the audience. Clearly, there's nobody doing that. Or if there is, they're doing a very shitty job. Or everything that that person is doing is getting cut out. So whoever's in charge of making that happen, aka our showrunner, is doing a shitty job. Once again, sloppy. Sloppy, 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 sloppy. So Jughead reads. And he's reading the comic book. And then he's having these visions of what we've already seen. So it's the flashback of him moving in with the comics. And we see him reading himself, essentially. And then he gets to this page where it's reading between reading and the reading. And it's just kind of this, that mirror funhouse thing. And then the rest of the book is blank. And that's when Tabitha comes home. She's like, what's going on? And so he explains what he thinks is happening. It's like, oh, I've been reading these books and it only the first 95 chapters were Riverdale. But then on 95, it becomes River Vale, which is also very funny because that's where we've been. <laughs> so meta. But a perfectly so. Yes. And he's like, come on. Like you, you need, it's like a warped reflection of this parallel universe that we're living in. And Tabitha's like, okay, like, look, read them and then we'll talk. So Tabitha does. And I appreciate that Tabitha feels consistent between both worlds because Tabitha's not like, you're crazy. She's just like, please present your evidence. (laughs) Well, she is, you're crazy. But then she's also willing to go with Jughead Mm because, you know, Tabitha's seen enough weird shit in that town to go, you know, (laughs) Jacob doesn't like straight up lie. So, okay. So Tabitha reads things and she had the same experience as Jughead did. And as we're watching like this time lapse of this happening, Jughead's like lurking around her, eating a pops burger, coming drink coffee. Like he's just like waiting for her to finish. (laughs) And she's just like, this is so strange. I mean, I, I remember these things happening, but not in Riverdale. All this happened here in Rivervale, didn't it? And so Jughead's like, mm, yeah. 
so then we see the page with the explosion at Archie's house. And so he goes to Archie and Betty next to explain what happened. And he says that the bomb created the parallel universe. And like, that's, that's where we split off. And they're just kind of like, yeah, what? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. But he's like, hey, Archie, didn't you have a dream with a bomb in it? And he's like, yeah, but it was a dream. Or am I making that up? And, you know, it, it was just a dream, Jug. So they really just kind of blow him off. Well, Archie blows him off. Yeah. Betty considers it. Archie's the only one who blows him off. Archie truly blows him off. Betty's just kind of like, huh? What? This sounds weird. I mean, it's very much like I can't put, you know, what is it on my police report? It's that Betty. But like, I love the fact that that early on, they're dropping hints about it. Oh, sure. So good. Then we go to Veronica and Reggie and... Veronica's like, this is impossible. And this Hiram Lodge is the villain, but we all know he died the night before my quinceanera. I was so upset. We had to cancel the Jonas Brothers performance. Oh my God. The fact that in the warped reflection, she killed off her dad. Well, her dad died. So like, he, he's not the big bad. And Joke is like, he's the big bad in Riverdale. He's like Darth Vader, <laughs> which is great. And then, and then Reggie. And this is the moment you knew. You knew Ross Butler was coming back if he was willing oh, yeah. and able. You knew it because he goes, how come I look different? What do you mean? I mean, I look like two different people, both devastatingly handsome. But other than that, he's just like, this is, this, I look like a different person, which is hilarious. The fact that once they called that out, you knew. You knew Ross Butler was coming back, which I love. I love. <laughs> and we all know Ross Butler left because he had a contract to go do 13 Reasons Why. He didn't leave because he didn't want to keep doing Riverdale, but he had another contract and they didn't know if this show was going to get picked up. So he had to make a choice. So like, no, like hate towards Riverdale. He had to go with the money. But uh, they did it. They fucking did it. Funny. So funny. So Jughead goes, oh, well, that might be an anomaly. Okay, cool. And Veronica's like, have you shown these to Cheryl? (laughs) So we go to Thornhill. And Cheryl's like, so according to this horrid pamphlet, Kevin Keller and Moose Mason discovered the corpse of my dead brother while secretly canoodling in the woods. And Jonah's like, yeah, does that not sync up with your memory of Jason's death? It doesn't, you ghoul lunatic. Ghoul lunatic? Ghoul lunatic. (laughs) To begin with, JJ's not dead. What are you talking about? That's impossible. I mean, your life was basically defined by his death. 100% accurate. It's fucking true. Cheryl's like, I can tell you he's not dead. And in walks Jason. And he says, Oh, hey, Jughead, I didn't know you were here. Are you ready to hit the court, Cher Cher? Because we're both dressed in tennis uniforms. This is the first time Trevor Steins, who has been playing Jason Blossom's corpse, essentially, this these entire 100 episodes, this is the first time he has said a single word. It's the only time he'll ever say anything. These are the only words he will ever say. I love it. I love it so much. It was so, I was so excited. It was so funny. I'm sure he had a great time doing it. Thank you, Trevor Strides. You're amazing. So, yeah. And so he's she's just like, okay, wait for me by the convertible. And he goes, yeah, sure. And he winks at her in a way that is very gross. Uh, yeah. it, it feels like the Blossom family incest thing is happening. Gross. Feels Didn't feel good. Nope. So Jug has like, wait, we, we had an in memoriam page for him in our yearbook. No, hobo, we didn't. Love the <laughs> dropping of the hobo because she's calling that all the time. So good. And she's off to play doubles with her very much alive twin brother. Toodles, feel free to see yourself out. 
Now I do want to point out that Cheryl does have a brooch on her outfit, but it is not her iconic spider brooch. It is cherries. Hey now. Very cute and very appropriate. It looks just like her spider, but those are cherries. <laughs> so Jughead goes back to the doghouse. Hey! And he's looking through the yearbook and he confirms this theory that he did that there was an immemorial page and that even though Riverdale and Rivervale diversion weighs minor and major, they were analogous, but he needed to understand the rules of both of these worlds. So he needed to sharpen his knowledge of parallel universes. <laughs> okay. I mean, th- this is one complaint about the writing of this episode. They make it, uh, they, they try to get too clever with the science of it. Just a little. This makes perfect sense to me because it's all written in narrator Jughead's voice. I'm fine with it. And the going more into the science gave them the excuse with Dilton and Ethel, which also makes total sense to me. I'm here for it. But I mean, it really boils down to in that because it was created a single nexus, there's common things between the two. And that's fine. So we cut back to the Pembroke and Reggie is giving Veronica a massage and he's like, you know, you're, you're all knotted up. Well, kid, it's like, Jughead, he triggered me with all that talk about my father. Yeah. Donnie Darko is the worst. <laughs> great way. Great thing to call Jughead. Oh my God. And then the, there's a doorbell and then some knocking. Veronica opens it and it's Reggie. The Lance of the Ross Butler, Reggie. Hey, babe, you miss me? I was so excited when this happened. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. This is my favorite thing ever. And and it only gets better. It only gets better. So Jughead goes to the library. He's trying to find this book. Librarian says, oh, that book was checked out, never returned. Oh, who checked it out? Dilton Doily. Jughead's like, ah, oh, man, he's dead. So I can't ask him. And the library is really offended by this. He is most certainly not dead. He teaches physics down the hall. I mean, fair. <laughs> cool. So we run down the hallway and Jughead finds Dilton Doily with super long hair, which looks gorgeous on him, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's the physics teacher. Oh, and Ethel's his teaching assistant. <laughs> also appropriate. <laughs> so he sits down and explains everything to Dilton. Dilton says, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, but there's nothing to do. Just live your life here. Like, it's great. Don't worry about it. I love that he's like, it's valid. You know, in my research, you teach at a high school. You teach at a no-name high school and you do research. Yeah. Bizarre. So Jughead is just like, I'm not going to give this up. I can't. I became aware for a reason, conscious of the two universes. I can't just go with the flow as Dilton tells him to do. So we go back to the Pembroke and it's Ross versus Charles. (laughs) (laughs) and it's like so you're saying he's me no bro you're me there is no you all right there is though i mean based on jughead's earlier visit there are two parallel universes and apparently two reggies but i came first i'm reggie prime baby (laughs) (laughs) to which the other reggie says you you've been in like three issues i've been in dozens (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's so cute. And so Veronica's just like, look, you'll both just have to stay here because we can't have two Reggies walking around freaking people out. And new Reggie is like, no, I have to go. I can't miss Archie's bachelor party, to which Reggie Prime is all like, I'd much rather go crash the bachelorette party. 
So we cut to Betty's bachelorette party with Reggie Prime as the stripper. Two pony. Two, yeah. So that's the classic stripper song. But literally, like, I, I figured they might go, nope, they just went straight for pony. It's classic. You ex- understand exactly what's about to happen. <sighs> Which all I can ever think of is genuine at the, at the concert, at the Harvest Festival. Yep. Poor little Sebastian. Poor little Sebastian. And so the girls are all there and Kevin plus Alice. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd want my mom at my bachelorette party. It's Alice. <laughs> yeah, it, it is Alice. Then we go down, we go to the casino proper with the gaming tables and everything. And we have this little scene with Jug and Arch, which is very cute and very sweet. And, you know, Jug is just like, are you hanging in there? Are you good? And Arch is like, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've been thinking about my dad a lot. He would have loved this. And so we see a flashback of the fantasy scene of Archie when he was marrying (laughs) Veronica. But it's when they're in all the kilts. And so you see Archie Jughead and then Fred standing there just looking at them being really happy. And it's just so sweet. And Archie's like, me, Mary, and Betty, come on. He would have been beside himself. This is stupid. I keep imagining that somehow he'll show up for the wedding. He'd be standing next to us smiling. And so then we see another cut of that same scene. And Jack is like, it's not stupid, Arch. And it isn't. And it's so sweet because, of course, like either universe, that's what Archie would be thinking about. And it's just like, it's a little sting in the hearts of like, Luke Perry's not here. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad that Riverdale did it. It hurts. In a good way. It's exactly perfect because, they, and they reference it later, but like, it's, it's the exact right tone. Because, of course, anyone who's lost a parent who's going through a monumental thing, you're going to think about them. It's also as bonkers as they go with it. Mm-hmm. I think what's appreciated is that they are writing it into the storyline mm-hmm. and they are trying to stay consistent with that as part of Archie's character. So one thing that they're consistently good at is how they talk about Fred because they can't afford not to be. So like they're always very careful about that. And I always think that, that it's done really well. Um, so they get extra points for that it helps because they all cared about fred a lot and they all cared about luke (laughs) oh sure yeah yeah we go back to the pembroke and ryan's a little drunk she i loved it i was like yes okay and she's like come on the night is young who wants to dance and it's both reggie's so reggie prime gets up and starts thank you other reggie I knew I could count on you. And so they're dancing. It's like, you know, we could have a sweet little thing here, the three of us. And like, she's taking uh, Reggie Prime's hand is like rubbing it on her body. Then new Reggie's is like, sorry, Ronnie, I'm not used to sharing. And then Reggie Prime's like, yeah, well, me, me neither. You know what, guys? The irony is Veronica Lodge is more woman than either of you can handle. She w- walks out of the room. I love Veronica giving zero fucks about their bullshit. That's very funny. I was ready to be with both of you. I wanted a Reggie threesome. And you cannot get over your bullshit. She just wanted to have two guys fawning over her. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Why not? Two Reggies? Absolutely. <laughs> so we cut to the next day and we're in the teacher's lounge and they're all hungover. Like Veronica's <laughs> dropping Alka-Seltzer. They're hating each other. Like they look miserable so funny and like tony's like you remember when we were in high school and we'd party too hard and be hungover and we could just skip class yeah the good old days and kevin is chuckling he's like being a teacher sucks <laughs> i think kevin is still drunk <laughs> like the way he says that i was like you're still drunk bro 
Or like flashing back to 18, but it's so fucking funny, that delivery. His delivery is perfect. So then Cheryl comes in and she's really upset. What's wrong, babe? So Cheryl and Tony are definitely together in this world. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl has gotten a ransom note. You know, they've taken her brother. Unless she gives them some crazy amount of money, they're going to kill him. So then we get flashbacks to the Black Hood. So Jughead takes Archie to the bathroom and is like, hey, I think I know where Jason Blossom is being held. And Archie's like, is this more of like parallel universe stuff? Yes. But if it's true, we need to investigate. And I think he's being held at the white worms. Like, so what do we want to do? Let's get Sheriff Keller. Okay. We cut to, we see Jason Blossom being held in the white worm, but he's not like in the storage closet this time. He's just in the 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 room. Basement. <laughs> yeah. He's just in like the white worm. and. Sheriff Keller and Archie and Jughead bust in and they find Jason. And then the Black Hood comes in and is like, what the? And he pulls his gun like he did in the original time. But this time, Sheriff Keller pulls out his gun and shoots the Black Hood dead. He actually gets him. Yeah, he actually gets him. And so Jughead, you know, rushes over to him and he's just like, it occurred to me that whoever was under the mask was most likely the same person who killed my double. Riverdale's big bad. Not Hiram Lodge, but... And it's Clifford Blossom! (laughs) It is our actor who played Clifford Blossom. Great. He came back for that. And cool. That's that's how that's been rewritten, but all right. We cut back to the Reggies are fighting. (laughs) Like, they're wrestling. And Veronica comes in and tells them to knock it off. And she's like, I'm done with this macho, toxic, competitive crap. We're adults here. We should be able to act like we're adults. And... Until that happens, you're both grounded. You two need to figure out whatever it is you need to figure out in order to coexist. What? No fair. No fair. <laughs> like, they're totally acting like children, and I love it. And so she leaves them. And then they look at each other. And go, idiot. Idiot. They both say it. It's great. It's just, <laughs> they had way too much fun with it, and I love it. That sold this whole episode for me. Just all of that Reggie bullshit was the fucking funniest. Well, and that's totally season one and two Reggie. Uh-huh. Like, totally that. Because new Reggie, the Charles Melton Reggie, has had the time to evolve and mature. So I love that the second he sees his competition, he reverts back to that, which is great and makes total sense. So we cut to Pops, and this is where we're having a rehearsal dinner, and Alice starts giving a speech, and, um, well, now I think my husband Hal would like to say a few words, just a few, though fucking hal hal is there which of course that's why he's not the black hood because he's hal which again is lachlan monroe i love that he came back he's always been really good about lending his voice doing things for the show even though his character has technically been killed off great love it so fun he's having a lot of fun being bad it's great Mm -hmm. and so he just says you know now i remember when betty was born she and then the door opens and tony walks in and she looks very distraught what is it what happened jughead starts narrating it I knew even before Tony said it. She's dead. Who's dead, Tony? Cheryl. She was strangled. (gasps) Yay! (laughs) Seriously, the first thing that I thought of in my head was Ding Dong, which is dead. Uh, Justice for once. Please, please put that bitch out of her misery and put us out of our misery. Because damn. Uh, We're not that lucky. I know. So, I go to Thornhill. Jughead's taking photos. Betty's taking, you know, hair samples. She was strangled in her bed. And so Jughead's like, it just doesn't make sense. How could I take Dilton's advice and do nothing? Wait a minute. Dilton, 
I've been wondering who's this universe big bad is. Could it be Meek Dilton Doily hiding in plain sight? And so he rushes to the school and, you know, the lights are flashing, doing that paradoxy thing. And Dilton Doily has gone full mad scientist. He doesn't want us to do anything because the two universes are bleeding into each other. Ethel's like trying to help explain what's happening. But Dilton's like, no, we're not going to stop it because I want to be there to document the moment that this happens, that like they converge. And Jughead's like, this is awful. You can't do that. And Dilton's like, you can stop me. Ha 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 ha. And then he spits up blue foam <laughs> and dies. And he's like, wait, what? And Ethel's like, I put poison in his grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> Ethel's so done. <laughs> with Dilton and all of the bullshit. Yeah. I love it. It's very good for Ethel being yeah. like, fuck all of this. So yeah, she's like, I, we can't let everyone in both universes die. Just, you know, just so we can study. And Jughead's like, do you know how to save these universes? Of course I do, Jughead. Well, one of them, the Pride one. I can save Riverdale. Ooh. Ooh. So then Veronica comes back to the Pembroke. She comes in saying, Reggie, Reggie's <laughs> damn egotistical narciss- narcissistic morons. When I said settle this, I didn't mean with a duel because they've killed each other. Love it. As like, wow, that's a little dark as it is. It's also very funny. <laughs> it's perfect. And it's darkness. Everything Camilla does in this episode is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we cut back to the school. Ethel has drawn a diagram. And so they talk through what they need to do to recreate the circumstances of the Big Bang. And Jughead's got to set off a bomb in Archie's room. And Ethel's like, yeah, but with Betty and Archie in it. And Jughead's like, no, I'm not going to do that on our wedding day. What? No, that's awful. (laughs) And so then he's like, well, no, we just have to do it as close as possible. So, okay. So if not Betty and Archie, then maybe it could be. And she has that smile on her face. Like, she's hoping she'll get picked. Yep. Because remember, Ethel had a big crush on Jughead for a while. Yep. Which, canonically, Jughead and Ethel are dating. Uh, in, in the original comic books, I know in the more recent reboot of the comics, Jughead is considered asexual. That's so cool. But in one universe, Ethel and Jughead make it happen. Mm-hmm. Jughead goes, me and Veronica... What are we if we're not counterparts to Archie and Betty? Ethel, you're brilliant. And during this, we get the flashback to when Veronica kissed Jughead in the hot tub. One of my one of my favorite moments. Just like, uh, mm, 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 mm-hmm. no. <laughs> yeah. And so Jughead goes to Veronica, talks to her in her office. And so we get a lot of flashbacks about, you know, Veronica. It's a universe of high school dances, of mass serial killers, of football, of milkshakes and musicals and cults and diabolical board games and murderous nuns. Our obligatory hundredth episode flashback. Sure, which are great. Like all the flashbacks were done very well because they didn't they didn't linger. They weren't saccharine. They were just like, hey, remember this thing that's going on? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is our big one. And you have to have at least one big one like sure. this. And so she's like, fine, let's make out to save the universe. One thing. Can we do it during the wedding? Because I'm really not in the mood. To which Jugger goes, yeah, I hear that same. And Veronica raises her glass. Here's to Bughead becoming canon. With the, like, snorkiest ugh, face. <laughs> yep. Camilla, gifable. This whole arc, the most gifable. Yeah. 
she's ever been. (laughs) (laughs) So then we cut to Jughead sitting in Archie's house and he's looking through the yearbook. And he's like, is it possible to be nostalgic for a life that you're not even sure is yours? Yeah. Uh, Which is sweet. You know, again, this is just like, okay. And then he hears the door open. He's like, all right, Lodge, we're doing this or what? And it's Archie. Uh And turns out Archie is this world's big bad. I love love this. This This is great because it's the exact opposite. In Riverdale, he's the golden boy. He's their savior. In Rivervale, he's their demon. He's their tormentor. Perfection. Love this. Um, So Archie is the one who killed everybody. And it's because he's holding out for his dad. He's stopping anybody who's stopping the parallel universes because everyone in this universe comes back. Nobody stays dead. And Jughead's like, no, not everybody does. And Archie says, if there is a 0.001% chance that he will, I want to be here waiting for him. What a fucking stab in the heart. Ozymandias from Watchmen moment. Like, fabulous. They did a galaxy brain in the best way. Yep. And I was shocked mm-hmm. that they pulled that twist out. I was very excited about that because I was like, yeah. Amazing. Because so many people joke that Archie is the worst character on Riverdale. He's not. And that he's actually the villain because he makes all this bullshit bad. Arguable. All right, yeah, that's fair. It's kind of like the Daniel LaRusso argument. But you still want good things to happen for Archie because he's sweet at heart. So this is great. So they fight, which is so fun. It's so fun to see Jughead and Archie fight. Uh-huh. It's just funny. And then a gunshot goes off and Archie has been shot in the head. And we turn and we see Betty in her wedding dress saying, never leave a Cooper woman standing at the altar. <laughs> so they chat about it and they're like, okay, we, we got to recreate this. Bomb needs to be detonated. And Betty's like, by us, if you're willing. Okay. So then they go up to Archie's bedroom and they sit on the bed and they're like, okay, what do we do now? We wait. No, we need to recreate the moments before the original explosion as closely as possible. And he's like, well, Archie and I, I know I read the comics. <laughs> so this, oh God. So awkward. So they start kissing and then they start making out and it starts getting a little sexy, knocking on the door. Record scratch. And it's narrator Jughead. Oh, hey, whoa, hey, sorry. Uh, look, there may be a way to separate the two universes without erasing this one. Okay. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> well, first we should probably stop the bomb. Betty, could you please disarm it? And Betty's like, wait, wait. I don't know how to disarm a bomb. Yes, you do. You went to the FBI Academy. You've actually done it before when Polly had a bomb strapped to her body. And we see the flashback of that. And <laughs> and and regular Jughead's just like, you came back from the dead too? Where were you after Archie strangled you? And so at this point, they've moved downstairs. And so we've got Betty in the middle and two Jugheads on either side. It's great. It's hilarious. It's also just really fun when you know that Cole Sprouse is an actual twin. And so narrator Jug says to the great Pops chocolate shop in the sky. And they start playing the original Sugar Sugar by the Archies. So it's a perfect time to drop that. Mm-hmm. And he walks into Pops and it's all retro. It is the it is the original comic book look. Jughead's got that very stiff cock to the side, 
crown hat. Archie, Betty, and Veronica are doing the iconic milkshake look. It's adorable. It is Everybody's so, in their booths. Everybody's in their booths. And not only is it Pops, it's a comic book shop. And Pops says, hi, you know, grab something to eat and have a seat. It's all you can eat on the house, of course, to which Jughead makes that big smile because we know Jughead can pack it away. <laughs> and so, you know, he's looking at the comic books and that's when he found it. A special comic book that came in between issues 95 and 96. And it bridged the gap between Riverdale and Riverdale. And we see a comic book that has Riverdale at the top and then its mirror image is Rivervale. It told the tale of two linked universes and how if that second universe were to become separated from the first, it would die unless a new power source could be found and maintained. So like then they're talking about it and they're like, okay, so what's the new power source? And he's like, well, imagination. And they stare at him for a good two seconds. And he's like, okay, well, wait, what's the opposite of the bomb, which is distraction? And they're like, oh, creation. So regular Jughead is like, oh, you need a story generator. Which narr- <laughs> narrator Jughead's like, yeah. And Betty's like, well, why can't you do it? He goes, I can't. I'm the narrator. And Jughead's like, yeah, I'm the person who needs to do it because I'm both in and out of the story. And so narrator is like, yeah, but once you start writing, you have to be in complete isolation. And Jughead's like, okay, I guess Dilton's bunker. And it's like, yeah, you'll, you'll have plenty of food, unlimited paper. And, you know, once, once you're in there, we'll just seal you in. <laughs> and Betty's like, I can't let you do that. I, I can't live with myself knowing you've made the sacrifice. And narrator is like, actually, you will. You'll completely forget all about it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And Jug just goes, no. This is what's got to happen. Yeah. So, okay. You just need to make sure the bomb goes off Jughead and it's going to be okay. And Jughead's like, we got this. You and me saving the universes, which is is very sweet and reminiscent. I like that moment. The kissing was a little disturbing, but. It was disturbing, except that they played it for the best. They played it for the awkwardness, which is exactly the way it should have been done. If they were way too into it, it would have been a little, it would have been more creepy. And then fucking narrator Jug. Oh, so good. So we see Jughead in the bunker and he's starting to type and we see what he's typing and then we hear him reading it. It's like it was in this moment that Jughead and Betty began yet again, the doomsday clocks countdown. While in the living room, Archie Andrews reanimated and resumed his mission to stop Jughead. So we see Archie's hand twitch and then he gets up and he grabs a bat. Zombie Archie. (laughs) It's very zombie Archie. It's great. And so he starts banging on the door with his bat. And inside, Jughead and Betty just hug, waiting for the bomb to go off. And then it does. It counts down zero. And they just are like, what? And the next thing they know, they're walking downstairs in new clothes. And all their friends are there. They're grabbing food. And they're all just like, there you guys are. We were about to set a search party. Seriously, what were you doing? And they look at each other. And Betty and Jughead are like, I don't remember do you ever know i don't know clue all right you know she's like come get your food your spaghetti's getting cold i'm like oh cute and they kiss so then we cut to jughead in the bunker and he's writing and he says after dinner jughead and tabitha will start moving his belongings out of archie's garage and into their new apartment including a comic book collection jughead had forgotten he had and though he will not know it in the moment this collection of comic books and the secrets contained within its pages will one day save his and countless others lives and so we see that actually happening. And then Ethel served Jughead a plate of hamburgers. 
So it worked. Rivervale will continue to exist in an endless time loop you created as long as you keep typing. And Jug is like, yeah, luckily I've got a lot of stories. And Ethel asks a question. What happens in the prime Riverdale universe? And with a little smirk. With a little smirk, we see Jughead says, guests will never know if someone did something to change the course of the events. So then we cut to the the shot of Archie's house and it says, meanwhile, back in Riverdale, (laughs) we go back to the ending scene of season five with Archie and Betty getting hot and heavy and we hear that ticking. But then it's Betty's phone ringing and she picks it up and it's this static voice that's kind of coming in and out and it kind of sounds a little warped and it's telling her, you've got to get out of the house. There's a bomb. Leave. You've got to go. So Betty's like, come on, we got to go. And then we cut to Jughead in the garage, typing, typing away. And the explosion goes off and it's just this loud ringing and it's in his ears and he's trying to talk and he can't hear. Riverdale. Oh, shit. That was fabulous. (laughs) Because... The voice on the film, I'm pretty sure it's Jughead. Listening to it again, I was like, this is Jughead. And it and it also, it's so easy to do because he gives that little smirk of like, guess we'll never know, huh? <laughs> yeah. Because you're just like, oh, writer Jug went ahead and made that one call to make sure things would mm-hmm. be okay for those two. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so like, you figure it's Jughead, but it could also be someone else so that like they make you think of Jughead because that's the most obvious but they garble it enough that it could end up being somebody else if they decide to switch it which is also fine this is so fun and it's a great spot to leave us on knowing that we're going on hiatus yep like this is this is how you need to leave your your mid-season dash your season finale it needs to answer a bunch of questions but still make you go but what's next I it's it's frustrating because the event was so lackluster. It was really lackluster. Boring compared to what they gave us here. And it, it just, none of it tied together. Even if you wanted to go with that Twilight Zone, four weird stories dealing with four weird things and never tie it back. Just have it be this own weird separate mm-hmm. event. But if you had tied that through line in just enough, this would have been all worth great. it. And it just never did. It mm-hmm. never felt that way. So we we did five episodes for one amazing mid-season break. Yeah, and that just doesn't feel worth it. It just doesn't. Not really. But on the other hand, <laughs> I, I would watch this one again because mm-hmm. it's so fucking fun. And for a hundredth episode, to celebrate that hundredth episode in this fun a way mm-hmm. and this playful a way as a show... It harkens back to some of those like season two and three days when we went, the show might not be good, but my God, do they go for it? (laughs) Yeah. And this is them. So they really went for it and it paid off so well. And it makes me excited for what we're going to do next and how these episodes are still going to be canon. But in what way? Like, what are the ripple effects in Riverdale? And that's what's interesting and fun. And so I think they, they should have really thought harder about what they were presenting to us on a week to week basis, because I'm sure a binge watch and watching them all back to back is much more forgiving, but that's not how your show is presented. Now I'm sure when you don't have to wait and you get the payoffs faster, it plays better. But if that's not the format your show is actually delivered in, you, you cannot, writing to that is pathetic and beyond lazy. 
it's it's just lazy it's lazy all over again yeah i mean it's yeah i don't like it so yeah uh we're going on hiatus the show isn't coming back till after the olympics so i believe they're coming back march 6th and the show is moving to sunday nights which is a little bit unusual um we haven't we haven't decided when our show is going to be released um, we usually like to have it be released the same day the show comes out, but releasing a podcast on Sunday is going to be a little bit difficult for us. So we're just going to have to see where we think it makes the most sense for us to continue releasing our episodes. So that will definitely change, um, but we won't know until we get closer. So we'll make sure to announce that. But before we go, it appears that we do have a preview for maybe not the next episode, but for the beginning of next season. Ooh. Let's go watch. Okay, so Cheryl's going to fess up to her curse. <laughs> In the most, oops, sorry guys. Britta's going to have like crazy powers it looks like told you Uh-oh. she's gonna be more important this season of course she is oh and I, technically i'm right that betty was pregnant even though it was in rivervale it, it was true <laughs> sure sure jan <laughs> there was an archie baby it was happening there is a funeral actually uh episode seven has a title and it's called death at a funeral I'm going to get, so we see Hermione come back and then we see Veronica at a funeral and she's really upset. I bet you Hiram's actually dead. Mm, that would be, yeah, that would make sense. And that would make sense for her. I mean, Hermione can come back as she wants to and as it they need to. But that makes the most sense for her to be showing up and then Veronica to be sad at a funeral. Like, okay, who are we going to kill that has consequences but doesn't affect the stories that we have now? Let's kill Hiram. Yep. Great. Yeah, Marcus Wales is done with the show. Like, not now, I'll never come back way, but just like he finished, he left. So it's like, yeah, now we need to kill your character. Yeah. So that's what's happening, Riverdale. <laughs> gonna be interesting. Oh, we're finding TBK. Uh, Betty's definitely gonna be on the hunt for TBK. Again, I want it to be Kevin, um, because I think that would be the most interesting thing ever. But TBK is a part of the Blossom Clan. We know this. We don't know this. We suspect this. That That's mm. a theory. That that was one theory for a while that TPK was connected to these people. But I do like the idea of it being Kevin. Kevin, for all we know, could know things. Could we, like where, where did the Kellers come from? We don't know enough. Who's Kevin's mom? We have not met Kevin's mom. What if Kevin dies? What if it's Kevin's funeral? No, no. If they do that, I'm mad at them. I'm mad at them. I'm happy for Casey Cott finally getting away, which <laughs> he just got married. Very cute. So congratulations to him. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, get the money. Whatever. It works. Uh, this show. This show. This show. How did they do it? Wow. They just, what? I mean, this is the show we've chosen to talk about. <laughs> I guess. Please. Make it end after this season. Just do it. Don't. There, there's been a lot of talk about that. That they're at the end of their contracts, so we should. Pro- we'll probably know by March whether or not this is the last season. January is when they'll start talking to them about can we get any more out of you? What is it going to cost? So at least give us the end insight. You know, like 
Let us know. Maybe this isn't the last season. Maybe you haven't told the full story you want to tell, but like, yo, let's wrap it up. I can definitely see the last, if there is a season seven, it only being 13 episodes. Cause I could see them all being like, we will do a season seven, but contractually you're not allowed to go past 13 episodes. Just wrap it up. All right. Well, until next time, hashtag Bulldogs Bulldogs forever. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.